0: Poso maw ni work wawan kitani more a yoski
1: pia taya pos notoman a yum MITW Podcast Ayospis Piertai Posnopi Notomun and a hisekimakot e Yosomatname Neho Indian Tribe of Wisconsin podcast. I'm your host, Sheena Wapus. On this episode, I'm again joined by guest Vaughn Bowles. He is the public information officer for the Incident Command Center for the Menominee Indian Tribe of Wisconsin, and he is here to answer some of our COVID-19 questions. Welcome, Vaughn.
0: Hey, great to talk to you again.
1: <laughs> um, so uh, the first thing I want to ask you about is... Um, a follow-up to last week, you had mentioned that Shawano County has a lot more cases than Menominee. Can you talk a little bit more about that?
0: Yeah, just, uh, so the state DHS um, and the Menominee Tribal Clinic have been looking into this pretty strongly because there's a lot of uh, individuals that go back and forth between Shawano County and Menominee County, obviously. A lot of our tribal members live over there. Um, and so we've been trying to keep a pretty good eye on it. There have been increasing numbers in Shawano County. It's not just in the city of Shawano. It's it's pretty widely distributed at this point. And so if individuals from the reservation are going into Shawano County, just be aware that, you know, just because you're not going to Shawano doesn't mean there aren't, you know, an increasing number of COVID cases there. And, you know, you should be taking those same precautions that you might take if you were to go to Green Bay or to Appleton or Wausau or some larger uh, area where there are more cases. So just keep that in mind when you're traveling, even if it's local.
1: Um, So you had kind of mentioned that there were some other close by communities that are considered hot spots.
0: Yeah, so Apparently, the Nita and Oshkosh areas have actually had a huge spike in the number of COVID cases. They've actually had um, so much increase, um, it got attention on the national stage. So that's an area right now where there's an increasing number of cases. And if you don't have to go to that area, please avoid it.
1: Okay. Um, so this week, the um, is it H or WHO or is it WHO? I don't know.
0: It is the WHO, WHO, the World World Health Organization.
1: Um, The WHO stated that they um, believe that asymptomatic um, spread is kind of more rare than what they had originally thought. And then um, the CDC is kind of in, I guess, it's confusing because they're kind of saying different things, right?
0: Yeah. So it's. In academia, it's not uncommon to have differing opinions from different organizations, right. uh, and this is partly because science isn't something you arrive at, it's not this golden egg you grab in and you suddenly have science. It's a process where you're continually improving the information you have, you're continually experimenting, um, and hopefully your team is learning more about you know certain fields and research. In the case with COVID-19, it's a new disease. Viruses are they're wonky. I don't know if that's a technical term. <laughs> I don't think it is, but that's a good explanation of, of how they um, exist in nature. There's a lot of change. They're very dynamic. And so it's not uncommon for organizations like the Center for Disease Control, the CDC and the World Health Organization, WHO, to have discovered different things and um, to have differing opinions at, at some point in time. The goal, though, is to have um, experimentation that uh, brings the knowledge together, kind of a converging consensus about you know how the virus behaves and how it spreads, whether um, you know the asymptomatic cases spread it a lot or hardly at all. And so, hopefully, in the next few months, as they study it more, they'll be able to figure out you know solidly and agree whether or not you know asymptomatic cases are relatively benign don't spread it or whether or not they're, you know, these time bombs of wonderful biological distribution in the community. So hopefully we'll find out more about that in the coming weeks.
1: So I guess um, just from my perspective, I would say to err on the side of caution then and just Absolutely. assume that, Absolutely. that it is yeah. spread through asymptomatic cases
0: yeah you you can never go wrong erring on the side of (laughs) caution around sick people
1: okay so um it is starting to warm up um and camping is a popular summer activity does camping increase your risk of COVID exposure
0: i'm gonna give you the uh my favorite answer from some of my science teachers that depends (laughs) and it depends on a lot of things okay um so it kind of depends on on how you're gonna camp are you Mm -hmm. gonna be camping with just your family members are you getting together with a large group that live outside of your home? Are you camping in tents or hammocks? Mm-hmm. Are, you, are you using cabins? Um, those are all things you need to take into consideration. If it's just you and your family going out in the middle of the woods, uh, no, I, I, it wouldn't increase your chances much because those are people you're already exposed to. If you have, say, a family reunion going on and people coming in from different regions, different states, different cities, that could increase it. Um, also, if you're, you know, sleeping in a tent where it's pretty porous and there's, you know, a lot of air exchange, mm-hmm. um, it wouldn't increase your risk nearly as much as sleeping in like a cabin or a camper where there's not nearly as much air circulation um, and you're rebreathing your your air that you've already exhaled. Um, that would essentially, it's it's, you could consider that like being in a car with someone mm-hmm. that potentially has COVID. Mm-hmm. That would greatly increase your risk because the volume of viral particles in the air would just keep increasing over time so again it depends Mm -hmm. if you like camping go camp the vitamin d is out there with the sunshine it's good for you that will help you fight off covid um but again take precautions take precautions keep your group small
1: okay um so um what is COVID toes which i don't think we've ever talked about (laughs)
0: <laughs> we have not talked about COVID toes. No. Yet. This was actually a fun question because it, it allowed me to reach out to a bunch of my friends that are podiatrists, mm-hmm. and uh, I was like, "How many of you seen COVID toes?" And uh, only only two people got back to me, which is really good because I know <laughs> literally hundreds of podiatrists, so um, it's actually really <laughs> uncommon. Um, it was first noted in the General Council of Official College of Podiatrists, which is a big long name, but it's a group in Spain. Um, and they, uh, they started noticing that a lot of children had uh, these cases where um, kids had purple coloring in their toes, um, sometimes uh, they'd have lesions or like the skin would, would crack. Um, and this would usually happen prior to people developing the symptoms of COVID-19. Um, it's really uncommon. Um, and because of how uncommon it is, it's actually not really considered a key symptom for COVID. Um, but on, on the bright side, it's usually something that it doesn't leave permanent marks. There's no usual scarring. Um, it's it's usually just an inflammation response, um, which isn't too uncommon with COVID. Um, they, they have seen that um, COVID triggers inflammation in various parts of the body. Uh, and that's just how it manifests in like the tiny capillaries at the ends of your fingers and toes. Mm. So it's out there. If it happens, <laughs> don't worry. Your toes aren't going to fall off. Um, and it usually <laughs> happens with children. Sometimes it's seen with senior citizens. It could happen to anyone. It's, it's just a vascular response in how your body's reacting to it stuff.
1: Okay. Um, I know <clears throat> that, I guess the key symptoms would be like you're coughing and uh, fever right. and that sort of thing, right?
0: Absolutely, yeah. Key symptoms, cough, fever, achy chest, um, difficulty breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, then there are things like fever, mm-hmm. muscle fatigue, all very common with this. Sometimes there's nausea and diarrhea associated with two, but Those aren't as much. Okay.
1: And then
0: you get on the the crazy spectrum with the COVID toast. So that happens co- very, very infrequently.
1: <laughs> okay, because I was going to ask, I know that something else that people had mentioned was loss of sense of taste and smell
0: yeah. is sense of smell yeah and those those are fairly common things that occur mm-hmm. with respiratory illnesses especially oh, okay. upper respiratory illnesses mm-hmm. so that's that's not uncommon actually that's a common occurrence okay. for this
1: um so does a person's blood type affect how susceptible to the virus they are
0: so this gets into genetic health and uh it's, it's pretty complicated. There are only a few studies out on it right now. Um, they're not peer reviewed, which means scientists haven't been, like other scientists outside of the individuals that have wrote papers haven't had time to test and see if these findings are conclusive or can be reproduced. Um, the, the largest study that was out there was a study of um, 2,300 patients that had COVID. Um, and they found in their their preliminary, their early findings, that um, A type, blood types, A positive, A negative, AB positive and negative, um, were slightly more susceptible to getting COVID-19 and that O blood types, O positive and negative, were less, less likely to get it or at lower risk to get it. Now, does that mean if you have oh blood you should go running around willy-nilly mm-hmm. no absolutely not it's not a get a jet get out of jail free card right um but on the flip side if you have an a blood type it doesn't mean you're absolutely doomed um it means that you may have symptoms that are less severe for an o you might have symptoms that last longer if you're an a um they're not sure what the link is yet but they're finding a little bit of correlation to it now it, it's not a it's not a cause. Cause and correlation are two very different things, um, but there's there's correlation, which means it's associated with it. Not okay. necessarily that you get it that way. So.
1: Right. Okay. Um, and then moving into more community specific things, um, we had talked last week about um, the meals that are being provided. How long are those? Is there an end date to those being
0: provided? So I talked with, with Mia, she's the one that's in incident command right now that's been in charge of those. Um, right now, we don't have an end date. She just said, assume that we're doing them at least until the end of the month. Um, we're kind of reevaluating the meal program right now in incident command and how long we're gonna carry that forward. Okay, um,
1: and to specify, those are the uh, school district meals, correct?
0: Because uh, there's two, they- there's one. Yeah, there are two. Incident command is over um, the meals that were associated with the Head Start Mm -hmm. um, in tribal school, not the MIDS ones. Oh, okay. Um, MISD, um, I believe they're continuing theirs through the summer. Oh, okay.
1: Um, And then can you talk a little bit more about the Moving Safer Forward plan, which was released on Monday?
0: Yeah, so the Moving Safer Forward plan uh it was approved by mtl on june 3rd um what it is it's a working document that incident command is using um to replace the governor's orders uh, that were previously approved by the tribal legislation and it's for safely restarting businesses um here on the reservation Um, for maximal effect um it kind of relies on the entire community to uh make the effort to keep COVID out of the community, which um, they've done a tremendous job on so far. Uh, there are specific guidelines um, from the CDC about how to reopen a business. So there's there's a specific section that is a resource center for individuals that have specific questions about how they can open their business. Um, there's also uh, talks about, um uh, you know, utilizing technology to meet rather than having in person meetings. If you can, use a Skype or a Zoom or a, a to meeting rather than, you know, getting eight or nine people in a, in a boardroom and, and talking. Um, and it talks about uh, avoiding or, um, Lost my train of thought. What's the word where you're not incurred, you're discouraging. Discouraging, there we go. <laughs> discouraging door to door solicitation within the tribal buildings and stuff for employees. Um, it encourages things like physical distancing, um, limiting the numbers worker present in the building, which we've kind of talked about before. The tribe really wants to have um, employee levels of about 50% of, of what it was prior to uh, you know the shutdown. Um, also talks about allowing uh, employees to work remotely where and when possible, and if it's appropriate, um, inc- increasing cleaning intervals, um, sending symptomatic employees home, or it also encourages employees that if you have any sort of symptoms that are COVID-like, please don't come to work. You know, sharing is not caring when it comes to viruses. Um, and then it, it also has specific guidelines for you know calculating how many people you can have in your building at one time. Um, so, if people want more information on this, um, it's on the tribe's website. It's about nine pages long. It's not a super long document, and you can actually skip around um, to see where you know it's appropriate for you. Uh, the most important thing is if people have questions, they need to be contacting their supervisors um, to see you know when and how they'll be coming back to work because they're the ones that are going to be developing the specific plans for their department. Um, but if they have questions they can also contact incident command and we can help get them in contact with their directors and facilitate that discussion for them.
1: Okay, sounds good. Um, was yeah. there any final message you wanted to depart with people before we
0: sign off? Sure, there was uh, one thing I forgot to mention when we were talking about blood types. Oh okay. Um, and um, rather than thinking about what blood type you are and your, your likelihood <laughs> of of getting severe symptoms, mm-hmm. people really should be thinking about the, the comorbidities they have um, in their own health, whether they're a smoker, whether they have high blood pressure or they're obese or have diabetes or heart disease. Those things are far more likely to predict how um, your case of COVID will go, whether you're gonna catch it, whether you're, it's gonna put you in the hospital or um, you know how long symptoms will last. Obviously, the healthier you are, um, the sooner you'll be able to get over that. And so, you know, this may be a good time to evaluate your own personal health, make some changes for the better. Okay. Um, additionally, uh, Dr. Schlegel wanted uh, everyone to know that, you know, she she appreciates the, the effort they've been doing to physically distance themselves from others and to wear masks. Um, there have been some papers that have come out this week that show that you know, the communities and the countries that followed, you know, the safer at home type orders um, and the mask wearing protocols have done better at keeping the disease contained or out of their communities. So thank you for your efforts so far and, and we really appreciate all you've done for this. So.
1: Great. Thanks. Uh, yeah. Thanks for joining me again. Um, Waiwanan. Pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> why when, and for listening to the Menominee Indian Tribe of Wisconsin podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can also listen to the podcast on menominee nsn.gov under the community tab. Keep up to date by following us on Facebook at MITW Podcasts. We are aiming to do weekly updates with Vaughn. We welcome any community questions or topic suggestions that you have regarding COVID 19. So please send those. To us via email at podcast at MITW.org.